congratulations. You found it. The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Starring the original book divas, Martha Steele, Vonnie Golden. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination, one book at a time. They are three book girls. I've got some weird books on my to-read list that I could probably do for the podcast. I've got one called Extra Virginity, The History of Olive Oil. Get on that. <laughs> no, the hilarious. sublime history of olive oil. That's what it is. All right, get and on I've that. I've been thinking about reading it. I, it. I'm afraid it might be boring. Um, oh, I doubt it. Well, remember, it's probably it, interesting. It depends on how it's written, because like, what yeah. was that one that I read Stiff. that was... No, no, that was the, the history of women, oh, of yes. women's apparel. And like it oh started God. out about how everything in the Victorian age was crotchless. Yes, because that's how you go to the bathroom. Right, because it was yeah. too much to try to, yeah. you know, hold up all of that dress and then pull down your underwear. Yeah. So basically they went without underwear yeah. or they had crotchless underwear. Yeah. And that and it was kind of, it was the, it was the history of sexuality through. Yeah. Through time. And it was just. Oh my god, it was freaking hilarious! Yeah, I've, that I've book done was hilarious. I've done historical costuming, and I've had to wear the split bottom drawers mm-hmm. under a, with with a corset because the corset's so tight you can't pull them down. Right. Um, I always wore underwear underneath them because the events I did were so short. You know, like you're a couple hours, you can wait to pee basically. Well, yeah. Um, or just wear yeah, underwear it's... that's small enough that it's on the uh, outside of the corset. Yeah. Well, I've mean, also worn like really low hip hugger underwear that yeah, was just enough that I could about. get up under there and pull it down. Just enough to cover so, your bits. Yeah, because I cannot imagine going open air like that. Oh. Because uh-uh. there's like nothing between the ground and your crotch. I don't even it's like really the, weird. Hey, dude, the kilts, the uh, Scots do it all the time. They like their bits Ooh. hanging around. It weirds Ooh. me out, though. No. Yeah, I'm not real big it, it, fan it's of just it kind of seems a little gross. I don't want there to be a stiff breeze and be well, seeing and what do, the what mouse you, in the house. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the beaver in the cleaver. Oh my god! Exactly. No mouse in the house. No beaver in the cleaver. Oh my goodness. Well, what do you do when you have your period? You know, that's just kind of ill. It's just let's all out not there. even go there. This well, is... in the in the and back in that time, you just wore a red. What do they call the underskirts? Petticoat. Yeah. You you wore a red petticoat wow. because they didn't have. I mean, they had the belted strapped regular cloths that yeah you used but they didn't have they're what, not leak proof yeah we mm-hmm. they didn't they Ugh. i mean you basically yeah. were wadding up a towel and putting it between your legs they didn't have what we have today yeah. i couldn't even imagine i'm so it's glad we bad. don't live in those mm-hmm. times no yeah, like i don't think kotex was invented until the 1920s something like that and tampons i can't remember when they were invented but damn yeah thank goodness we don't do any of that anymore like well you know that even at least when i was after I had Tyler, um, they give you um, mesh underwear mm-hmm. that the pad goes mm-hmm. right in the underwear mm-hmm. and they're mesh. Yeah. I had me some fishnet underwear going on. Instead of like Fredericks of Hollywood, it's like Fredericks of Walmart. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like yeah. Because mesh. it's like granny panties, but they're <laughs> mesh. And they're mesh. They're like really itchy mesh. Martha's over here like, oh my God, I'm so glad I never Well, I was her. on enough morphine that I didn't care that yeah. they were itchy. Everything was itchy because of the morphine. Ooh, yuck. But I was so fucked up, I really didn't care. I'm like, I'm itchy. <laughs> Speaking I, of fucked up, that's oh a perfect, God. perfect segue Segway. into our weekend. Let me tell you about my night the other night. Oh, no. Saturday, well, Friday night. Well, first of all, night. let me explain. Dylan, who is my only son, turned 21 on Friday. Uh-oh. And Dylan and Tyler, Bonnie's son, have been 
friends since the second grade. Mm-hmm. We had a little party. Because my son turned 21 in July. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I'm sure it age. was the first time they ever drank. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, Tyler turned 21 in July, so he's drunk a couple of times. I'm sure. And Dylan was at um, Tyler's Birthday party. party. Yeah. And they got into some shenanigans at that point. But it was mostly Dylan drinking too much at that one. Oh. Hmm. Well, well I think there was, a, there was definitely a role reversal going on at this one. So the two of them got a little bit shit-faced. Oh. Shit-faced is a really, really good description. A little of what lit up. And Tyler is boisterous when he's drunk. Boisterous is an understatement for what that child is. He's, he's like a bullhorn. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm surprised my neighbors didn't call the cops. <laughs> so, um, of course, I, you know, I, I wasn't at the party, obviously, because, you know. Well, I really I wasn't participating much. I was just sort of hanging back. and You were the, the I was the adult in the room, eventually. Making sure the youngins didn't drink. Yes. The, the designated drivers had to be watched. Mm-hmm. So that was my job. Because they were teenagers, job. too. Because Tyler's girlfriend isn't 21 yet. So I was kind of keeping an eye on that, making sure, you know, that she wasn't drinking anything because I knew she was going to drive him home. (laughs) So let me tell you what happened after they left this 21st birthday party. um, I was kind of waiting up because I was like, okay, just just in case Kaylee drank and I needed to come get them. Mm -hmm. I was kind of waiting up and I was like, just text me when you get home. So I get a phone call probably about 130 in the morning and they got pulled over for speeding. And they didn't have a copy of their insurance card. So could I just, could I shoot them a picture of it and send it? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I have it on my phone. So I did that. And then, and then Tyler calls me probably 15 minutes later, maybe something like that. Complaining because they w- stopped to get a uh, energy drink for him in the morning. Because he still had to work the next morning. At 6 a.m. And um, the gas station was closed and they wouldn't sell it. So he's... Well, these motherfucking blah, blah, blah. They won't sell me my I bang. And he kept saying, they won't sell me bang. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about bang? He's like, a bang, mom. I need a bang for in the morning. A champagne bang. I'm thinking, why does he want it? Sh-? I'm thinking like fireworks or something. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh. He's like, now we got to stop somewhere else and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, text me when you get home. So then I get a phone call. From Kaylee and they had stopped at another gas station and she went inside to get an energy drink and he wanted to stay in the car well she came out of the uh, gas station the car was running and Tyler was gone and his cell phone was in the car and she's upset she's She's like panicking like where the hell did he go did he get kidnapped you know yeah where so She's like, I looked all over the store and I just, I don't know where he went. And I drove around the parking lot and I just, I can't find him. So I'm like, all right. So this is like, what, 2.30 in the morning, 2, 2.30 in the morning. So I'm like, all right, well, let me get dressed and I'll come help you look for him. So I get dressed because I'm already in my jammies and get the dog, go out to the car (laughs) and start driving towards them. And then I get a phone call from an unknown number, which is Tyler and he's he got out and walked down the street and he was calling me from a 7-Eleven. Different, di- a different a place. Different, oh a different gosh. place. A different gas station. So I'm like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right, don't move. Just stay there. And, and he's like, okay, 
All right. So and but he tells me I didn't know he was at the 7-Eleven because mm-hmm. he called me and I asked him, I said, did somebody let you use your cell phone or what number is this? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, where are you at? He said the YMCA. So I go and I drive around the YMCA and I can't find him. And so I had to call the phone number back. And that's when I found out it was the 7-Eleven. And (laughs) they don't know where he is. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, is he still there? No. I'm like, okay, which way did he walk? So needless to say, I found him in a grassy area across from 7-Eleven sitting on the grass with somebody else. I I don't know if it was like a homeless person or somebody else who was drunk (laughs) and wandering around. Made a new friend. Made a new friend. (laughs) And so then... I got him, took him back to Kaylee. The rest is nonchalant. Nothing else happened, except when I got home at three o'clock in the morning. Then my dog thought it was time to wake up instead of go back to bed. So I ended up not going back to bed until like four. But yeah, that's my, we always talk about what happens when you have boy children. We Mm -hmm. never talk about what happens after they grow up. This is what Mm -hmm. happens after they grow up. Yeah, well, I had to hose off my lawn (laughs) because my son decided that he would listen to Tyler's come on 21 shots for 21 years oh lord he didn't get that far oh, he, that no. yeah but at least Chloe got a tasty treat oh Jesus oh my god so here's me saying hold the dog hold the dog <laughs> <laughs> and hosing off the lawn I'm thinking yeah my dog's <laughs> gonna get alcohol poisoning oh my gosh <laughs> kids don't drink but oh. happy 21st Dylan <laughs> Happy birthday, baby boy. Yeah. But I asked precisely why I don't get drunk. I just stick to like one drink and I'm good. (laughs) It's just hilarious. And I asked Tyler, I'm like, why did you, why did you get out of the car and start walking? He's like, I was scared. I'm like, why were you scared? (laughs) You're You're in in a car. car. I don't know. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Speaking of partying, another nice transition there. We are going to have a party on October 12th. Yay! Yay! Over at Full Circle Books. But what we're also doing is we're all dressing up. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that all of our book girls who come to the event... If you want to dress up, participate too. And then afterwards, we'll go find an after party and uh, have ourselves a little early Halloween party. Hopefully, there will be no laying on the grass afterwards. Yes, and I'm not going to get out of the car and start walking down the street. (laughs) I'm scared. Well, I can't find Martha. I can't guarantee I won't go out to your car and pass out in the driver in the passenger seat. Kind of like last like time. Last time. Yeah. But <laughs> I will not go wandering down the street. I just can't imagine. Usually when I'm that drunk, I'm like, I need somewhere to lay down. <laughs> not I need to walk down this busy highway. Yeah. I and don't befriend know. a homeless person. <laughs> right. Hey, he's you know, he's a He's an affable young man. He's, he was easily, he he's easily made a friend. He's definitely Yes, charisma. <laughs> Very high charisma Very high charisma score. Yeah. Even well, after I 18 will, shots. I will not be there. Unfortunately, we are going out of town. We're what? Going to, Vivian! We're going to stay in a cabin at Beaver's Bend. You love to Because my husband desperately up. needs to get the heck out of town. And go hide in a cabin. Well, he's that now kind of I person. feel betrayed. Sorry. Well, if I was going to we be there... We can't have our own librarian at the event. I know. I'm sorry. If I was going to be there, I would either dress up as my Jedi librarian or I would wear um, that Freddie Mercury costume I oh, made. yeah. That, um, that... <laughs> from the uh, I Want to Break Free video where he's got the little pink crop sweater and the black skirt and the vacuum. Yeah. I made that costume and was like, I did a belly dance routine to that. So oh, that was fun. Belly dancing librarian, Miss Vivian. Yeah. 
It that kind of sounds like a too. drag drag queen. Kind of was, yeah. It was kind of a double drag. Um, and I had a belly dance showcase last night, so. Sweet. Yeah. When do you find time to read? Audiobooks are my friend. <laughs> That's why I like, it's, it's audiobooks, audiobooks, and maybe an ebook before I go to sleep. That's why I don't get to read that much. Mm. Got too much yeah. crap going on. I'm an audiobook fiend. I thought you were going to say audiobook whore, but okay, whore. that works. Whore, whore works. No, mm-hmm. no, they don't pay me yet. No. So it's the payment that makes a difference between. Audiobook addict. Mm, yeah. As soon as I close one, I open another one. Oh, just like God and windows or doors. God and doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. God closes a door or he opens another one or whatever that is. And when God closes a door, he opens a window. Yeah. You know how many times I've heard that? You know how many times it's not been true? We're not going to get into that. Just because it's Sunday morning doesn't mean we have to preach. When God closes a door, she yells at her kids, were you born in a barn? (laughs) Are you going to pay the air conditioning bill? Yes. I like that she said she. (laughs) Hell yeah. Heaven yeah. I don't know. It's early. Cheers. Cheers to the noodle God. Woo! Hey, I like noodly appendages. <laughs> hey, I <laughs> like, talk, I like is, talking I about God in a feminine sense. Mm. So I find that very interesting, but I won't get into that. So that's a mm. whole other theology thing. I have a hole in my chin over here. Now you're the one with you. the drinking problem. <laughs> Damn it. Listen, I don't want to have to drive the, the girl car home. I'm not that good with a stick shift. <laughs> every time talking about dri- feminists. Every time I drive ways. a girl car, which is a Mazda Miata. My husband's midlife crisis car. Mm. I always forget that people don't recognize me in it. Mm. The last time I drove it, Jessica waited down in the parking lot for like 10 minutes waiting for us to get here when we were already here. Yeah. And finally, because Martha's like, Jessica's never late. And I'm like, oh, we drove a different car. I bet she doesn't know that you're here. And about that time, she texted, Where the hell are you guys? (laughs) Upstairs. So it has a stick shift in it? Yeah. So my first car was a 1971 Triumph Spitfire. If you know what those are, they're little annoying little British cars and they work maybe 25% of the time. Lovely. Uh, but that was my first car when I was 16 and it, it had a stick shift in it and I hated it and it was not reliable. So my mom took me to go get a different car and I specifically told this guy, this car dealership in Norman that she'll be... Remain nameless. But anyway, the, the, the car salesman is showing me all these used cars and they're all stick shifts. And I said, I don't want a stick shift. I have one right now and I don't like it. And he said, but stick shifts are so great. You get to really like grab the stick and like be in control of the car. And I said, what is it with men and grabbing their sticks and being in control? <laughs> and I was and like you're 17. 17. I was like 17 years old and oh like mouthing off to this guy about sticks and being in control. <laughs> yeah, we all know men like to grab their sticks. <laughs> like to grab their sticks and be in control. Because I think that's kind of what he was getting at. But that's like a really gross thing to say to a 17 year old. Agreed. Yeah. With her mother standing right there, too. Yeah, well, used car salesmen aren't really known for their decorum. Hmm. That yeah. kind of sounded a little bit like Trump just there. No, no. don't do that. <coughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Worked with car dealers for a very long time. I understand. Yeah. I had, when I very first started, when I was 20 years old, still a little wet behind the ears, very first started in the car business, I had this one car dealer who he would never tell me his name. And I would have to, I, you know, I when I went to like... 
Was my... it Rumpelstiltskin? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what my you book had, is about today. You had so. to get that in there, didn't you? Well, was it? <laughs> they called, he said, and I'd ask him his name. He'd say, just, my name's uh, Big Daddy Kingsnake. Oh, gross. I mean, to the point where I had to make him a badge one time and he wouldn't tell me his name and I have to write the name on the badge. And so I wrote Big Daddy Kingsnake on his badge and made him wear it for the rest of the day. <laughs> Nobody else made him a new one. He wore it all day long. Of course, he was probably happy to wear it, but it was like the guy was really nice, though, other than being a uh, other than being a dick. Big. He was really nice. <laughs> and let me tell you, when you're working with car dealers and you dress up for Halloween, don't dress up as a doll because you get a lot of comments, even Ew. if it's not a slutty doll. It's like, I don't make baby, it I'd like to play with you. That's what, yeah. <laughs> mm, I like to play with dolls. Yeah, they'll make it slutty, which is gross. Listen, there is no cleavage showing. My dress is below my knees. I have a petticoat underneath this. Yeah, but it's still a dress, you know. And you can still pull it up. You. Not with underwear that go to my knees yeah i suppose i mean it was on the a imagination of a car dealer has no bounds i mean just men in general oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure we cannot insult men on this podcast yeah that's true don't forget mm-hmm. scott and our whole tribe have... of 40 to 60 year old men who mm-hmm. love us that's true well and steven and i'm sure they never think that way and steven what i'm sure they never think that way no never they're, they're feministas at heart just like yeah. us Steven is one of those, like, he's not really, like, feminist-minded, but, yeah, he's he's egalitarian-minded, at least. I'll give him that. <laughs> <clears throat> now that we've insulted just about everyone. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. You're definitely going to have to do some I'm editing. sure there might have been somebody we missed. <sighs> Let's see. Who else could we insult? Hmm. I think I'll... You know what I'm really hungry for? What? Some peach pie. What? Peach? Impeach? Some peach pie? Oh, yeah. This sounds really good. Let's see if we can uh, insult those people as well. Oh. I'm getting the stink eye because I better change the subject. God damn it. <laughs> Once again. Listen, we need to keep this a little non-political because. Oh, no, shush. One yeah. of our. They can hate me then. One of my bosses from corporate said that she was going to listen to it. And she's kind of. She's very, very cool and very, very smart. But she is Republican. I'm not dissing Republicans. I'm just dissing him. Even though she doesn't like Trump. I have Republican friends who do not like Trump. And like, yeah, she they, doesn't they like cannot Trump. stand him. So, yeah. Like I said. She's one of the ones that's Republican, but pie. she's good mm-hmm. to talk to because yeah. she's intelligent. And celebrate. Mm-hmm. And has reasons mm-hmm. for her belief system. Yep. And like I always say, so long as you can explain why mm-hmm. you believe the way that you do yep. and you're not blindly following mm-hmm. Then, we don't let no sheep up in here. Yeah, I, nope. I have friends that are like that. They're very intelligent about their beliefs. They're very, very reasonable. And some of them even have like, like there's places where you can agree on certain things. Even though you may have a different approach, you agree, you know. So it's, mm, it's good to find middle ground. And, and we, we need stuff like that and <laughs> how divided everything is today. Okay, Martha. Just FYI, Sprouts had peach pie on sale last night. Yesterday no, I don't do store-bought peach make my own peach pie. You mm. should make... I like to be in control. You should make peach strawberry pie. You like to grab that stick. Pie. To grab that stick. Yeah. Like the grab you should that make stick. peach strawberry pie. Peaches and strawberries go very nicely together. No. It actually tastes really, really good. No, I don't like my peaches and my strawberries in the same You know, pie. I like They're to really eat together. Though. What? Like, not pie-wise, but um, strawberries and pineapple. Stop Have you changing ever had the strawberries and pineapple? I like to talk about pie. 
We all know that you like pie, Martha. Yeah. Boy, that shut them right down, didn't it? <laughs> you didn't start the little cricket sound effect. <laughs> chirp, 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 chirp. Yeah. Or the wind and the tumbleweed. The neek breakers. Yeah. yeah. Uh. How can we segue to books? So um, somewhere between my drunken fun, I did read a book. No way. You had time for that? Yeah, well, you know, audio. You had to stay up all night waiting Audio's for Tyler my friend to call. too. <laughs> right, exactly. Waiting on that <laughs> drunken text or drunken <laughs> phone call. Um, and I read The Shoemaker's Wife by Adriana Trigiani on recommendation from Kathleen from Florida. Yay, Kathleen! And this was a very good book. I did enjoy it. Um, it's set in the Italian Alps in the 1900s is where it starts. I will have to say it's a bit of a love story. So kind of that was Vivian's, <laughs> not mine. Kind of thinking of Alyssa. I don't who even is mind missing romance. Today. Yes, yeah, I don't even mind romance. Alyssa's actually busy. She had plans today. Imagine the rudeness of her to have fucking plans. Terrible. Girl on the tamp. <sighs> Terrible. Love you, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> this starts out with a mom who has two boys and her husband dies in a mining accident her husband had had gone to america to work and make money and send home and he dies in a mining accident in america and the mom is so distraught over the death of her husband and the fact that you know she now has to take care of these two young boys by herself and she's just not doing real well so she takes the boys to a convent to be raised by the nuns. So that's how this book starts out. And then it kind of skips ahead to the time when the boys are the youngest one, about 15, the older one's about 17. And I mean, they've had a, a pretty good life. I mean, the nuns are nice to them, treat them just like they would their own sons if they were able to have some. And Churro, I believe is his name, walks in on the priest doing unpriestly things. (gasps) Of course. Not like bad, bad, hugely, but unpriestly things. Well, he is a little bit like Tyler and can't hold his tongue very well, even when he's not drinking. And and he tells people. And the priest, of course, is like, you can't tell people. He tells them that, you know, he's lying, blah, blah, blah. And because priests have so much pull in the towns and everything else at this time he tries to get the nuns to send churro away to this work camp which is not a great place to be i mean that's where they send like you know troubled children the ones that have gotten in trouble with the law and everything and it's just really unsafe well the nuns love churro and they don't want this to happen so they lie to the priest and they tell the priest that they sent they're sending him to a work camp but instead They send him to America to be an apprentice to a shoemaker that one of the nuns knows is as their relation. They're a relation to each other. So he ends up going to America when he's he turns 16 on the boat on the way to America. Well, right before all of this happens, he meets um, a girl that he really I mean, they hit it off. They like each other. Young love. You know, she's about the same age as him. So she's very down to earth kind of girl. Helps with the family. Helps take care of brothers and sisters and everything else. 
and he meets her and he likes her and, you know, wants to see her again. But then all of this ha- happens and he's sent to America and he has no way to tell her that he left to go to America. Well, she goes to the convent looking for him because he's told her that he lives at the convent and the nuns can't tell her that he went to America because they don't want it to go back to the priest that they disobeyed him. So she doesn't know what happened to Churro, everything else. So it's kind of, they start the relationship and then it's gone. And she's dealing with her own family stuff. Well, then her family, the people that they um, they rent their house from ends up basically kicking them out and saying they can't live there anymore. And so then they're going through a rough financial time. So the girl, which I can't remember her name for the life of me, and her father decide to go to America. And this is a couple years later so that they can work and send money home back to their family. Because in America, you can make so much more money than what you do. Mm-hmm. You can there. And so they leave and go to America. And um, but they're not exactly in the same place as what Churro is. Mm-hmm. And also, I should mention Churro's older brother goes to the to be a a priest. What is that? The seminary seminary. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say cemetery and I'm like, that's wrong. (laughs) The seminary to be a priest. Mm -hmm. So she goes and she's working in a factory making like clothes, like Mm -hmm. sewing and stuff like that. Not a triangle shirt waist. I hope I couldn't tell you what she made to tell you the truth. I just know that she's there. She's cooking and cleaving, cooking and cleaning for a family cleaving. Cleaving, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to cleave somebody, I'm sure. That got dark. <laughs> <laughs> really dark. Really fast. <laughs> For her rent to live in this place and working in a factory, sending money back to her family. And her dad um, goes to Pennsylvania to work in the mines and Uh-oh. is sending money back to the family. Churro lives in New York in Little Italy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's um, a festival or something. Mm-hmm. And then they see each other again. But it's only for a minute. And she is much happier to see Churro than Churro is to see her. And not that he doesn't care for her. He just hasn't set his mind to her yet. Like, you know, he's dating this, this, you know, beauty pageant queen and all of this other stuff. And he's like, oh, hey, I know you from the old land. Yeah, nice seeing you. (laughs) Come on, baby, let's go. Churro's a little bit of a player. <laughs> I like Churro. He's a he's a great character. And then she's like, oh, fuck him. I'm not going to waste my time with him. And they go to their own separate lives again. Well, the girl actually gets discovered and um, rec- is recommended to go try out as a seamstress for the opera at the Met. Oh, wow. And she oh, gets a job... Is- making costumes for the opera and she gets to hang out with all of these you know fancy singing people and she's just you know living like yeah cloud nine and engaged to be married to one of the people from the met Mm -hmm. and like way above her status in life and this is about when churro decides he loves her and wants her back of course so he finds her within hours of her getting married to this other guy. And then the story, I'm not going to say any more than that because I don't want to give any spoilers, but then the story kind of goes through their lives and 
you know, children and their, you know, their ups and their downs and everything else. And also another thing I should mention, one of the reasons why I really like this book is in between the time that Chiro sees her the second time mm-hmm. and goes to try to stop her from getting married from this other guy, um, he actually goes and serves in World War One. So he's gone in Europe for, I can't remember, I want to say like four or five years or so serving in the war before. And that's about when he decided that, you know, oh, I love her. This is who I want in my life. And when he comes back from overseas is when he starts to try to find out what happened to her. And that's when he finds her right before the wedding to the other guy. People can be such dumbasses when it comes to love. Oh, I don't know if I love this person. Oh, wait, maybe I do. But that's like all the romantic tension. Yeah. That's what makes the story when it's a romance. That's why I don't like romance because it's like manufactured drama. I'm like, just get together already. Well, yeah, but this is a little more because it's so much more about their lives. Also, Mm -hmm. it's not just about the romance. It is about the romance, but it's also about their lives. It sounds like they're bringing in a lot of like really interesting historical angles, like from the story of immigrants coming to America, you know, and then they work at things like the mines and in factories and stuff. And the safety conditions back then were just really, really horrible. There's no OSHA. Um, I mentioned triangle shirtwaist in passing. That was one of the worst industrial accidents with the garment industry where the building caught on fire. People couldn't escape. Oh, throwing themselves off windows. I've read about that. Yes. A lot of them were immigrant girls. Very, very young immigrant girls. They found out the factory owners like deliberately locked the doors to keep them from going outside. And they had stuff piled in front of the fire escapes and things like that. So that was where it was horrible. Way to be a downer over there. Sorry. I remember reading about that. I was afraid the book was going to go there. That's why I said hopefully not at Triangle Shirtways because... But that was just kind of, that was the worst example, but there were other similar incidents of, of, you know, like workplace safety and people dying or being horribly injured. You know, you can lose a limb if you're working in like a, like a, a fabric, like a factory that makes fabric and they've got the big rollers, like your hands can get sucked in there. And so yeah, there's no again, safety measures. It, yeah, it once was very again. scary back then. And there were, Downer? I just wanted to say there were a lot of immigrants <laughs> that worked those jobs and it, it hit them the hardest. Yeah, often. I agree. And, and yeah. I know with her, um, it wasn't so much her bosses making sure that things were safe. It was mm-hmm. the other workers, the other mm-hmm. immigrant girls that she worked with. Like her, one of the girls that she met at the factory and became her best friend is a girl named Laura, who was an immigrant from Ireland. And they ended up becoming best friends and she, they helped each other out of predicaments that mm-hmm. happened and so on and so forth. And they actually um, went together mm-hmm. to leave the factory and both went to the opera to work mm-hmm. at the Met together and, you know, roommates and yada yada and just watched mm-hmm. out for each other. And it's just really great that there was that camaraderie between them. Yeah, that's them. really neat. I like mm-hmm. that. Usually like... And especially since they were from two... Completely different, different places. Yeah. She's yeah. from Ireland. Yeah. And then this other girl is from Italy and yeah. she doesn't even speak any English at all. Laura taught her how to speak English. Oh, that's cool. When she came and Laura couldn't understand her. She, mm-hmm. I'm sure she didn't speak Italian. It never mm-hmm. said it. Yeah, see the, the, the Italians and the Irish were often discriminated against as well. So that's interesting that they became friends. I think right. that's a really neat story. Yeah. But it was a really, it was a good story. It was, mm-hmm. you know, full of some little tidbit facts I like it when they weave that stuff together and, mm. and but it was, use and use history as yeah. a backdrop because yeah. then it gives you mm. 
the opportunity to learn a lot of things without yeah. feeling like you're getting educated. Yeah, it makes history a little more <laughs> fun. Yeah, I know history can be very dull sometimes when you have to learn like names and dates and people and places and there's no context for any of it. You don't get to learn the how or the why. Yeah, that's why I didn't like history at first. And then I eventually fell in love with it once I started finding out the how and the why. And then interesting stories like that, you know, where you're looking at people that were at, at the bottom of history, the things they had to go through, you know, to yeah. rise the above. The fact that Chiro yeah. had to, you know shovel coal mm-hmm. at the in the boat to even make it to america because mm-hmm. you know he had passage on the boat but he was stewage class he had to work mm-hmm. steerage 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 is that a difference between steerage. a steward steerage. and a steerage <laughs> steerage you have to stir the coal i don't know i like my explanation <laughs> better no. i don't know i just know that like one of his friends that he was friends for you know for the rest of his life was somebody that he met that was shoveling the coal with him mm-hmm. in the in the boat to get to America. That's another place where you can die is coal mines yeah. or shoveling coal because of the black lung and the accidents and mm-hmm. everything like that. Like so many very, very also, dangerous professions back they then. They also talk a lot or a little bit about um, mustard gas that they used in mm-hmm. World War One yeah. too. Yeah. That has something mm-hmm. to go in the book. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, there's a lot of interesting facts and a lot of different angles that this book comes, but it all blends together really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, it was good. I, I really liked it. Um, it's a little bit of a long book. It does lull in places, but not for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, The Shoemaker's Wife by Adriana Trigiani. She writes a lot of historical fiction. Does Sweet. she? Yep, she does. Yeah. And like I said, thanks Kathleen from Florida. It was It was a good book. She said that I would like it, and I did. Mm-hmm. She was right. Cool. Vivian. And um, oh. Rumpelstiltskin. Are you done? Yes. Okay, I want to make sure you're completely Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. Okay, so the book that I read is Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. And, um, and which was nominated for I think a... it actually, did it actually win a Hugo? I don't. She's won a Hugo for it, something. I, I don't think. think she won a Hugo. I for can't remember. That one. Sorry, I did. I didn't. I know it was nominated that. though because I was looking. Yeah, I was looking for things to read that had won awards this morning, yeah. and I noticed that one on there. So, so basically, this is a this is like an award winning author, and you know, nominations and awards everywhere. Um, so I read it because I had just finished Uprooted, and was kind of on a book hangover from that, honestly, because I loved Uprooted so much. I understand Alyssa, I think, reviewed Uprooted. Um. <clears throat> So Spinning Silver, uh, just as Uprooted was kind of a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, uh, Spinning Silver is a retelling of the story of Rumpelstiltskin, which if you're familiar with that, there's a lot of variations on it. But it has to do with a girl whose father says that, um, you know, my daughter can spin straw into gold. So this wealthy guy marries her and expects her to spin straw into gold, which unfortunately she can't do. And this evil fairy or whatever he is named Rumble Skilson says he will help her um, or he will, I think he, he like eventually wants to steal her firstborn child or something. So I looked a little bit more into the myth and it supposedly has anti-Semitic origins, which I was thought was very interesting. Um, for example, it has to do with like the fact that um, for many, many centuries, Jews were the only ones that would lend you money for interest uh, because the Catholic Church forbid what they called usury, which is lending somebody money and then charging interest when they pay it back. So for a long time, Jews were the only ones who did that. 
So, and then there's also the uh, the nasty myth that Jews will eat babies, uh, which I thought was weird because they used to say the same things about Christians in like the very first century, first and second century. They used to say that Christians would steal babies and eat them as part of the last, the Lord's Supper. So I thought that was a very Jesus. weird reversal. It's like, no, no, it's not us. It's the Jews doing it. So uh, anyway, Sheesh. so Rumpelstiltskin is <laughs> kind of, your baby. <laughs> it, it may or may not be anti-Semitic in origin. ain't your baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible. Actually, I think they found out that lady was correct. They determined <laughs> that. ain't your baby. <laughs> I think they did determine that lady Don't was telling that the truth. Don't that when I'm drinking my coffee, damn. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. By the way, for, for those of you who don't know this, that's the Seinfeld reference <laughs> no there actually was a lady who said that yeah, didn't go eat her baby yeah i know yeah, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> okay so anyway so with that in mind uh naomi novik's family is jewish her grandparents uh were in lithuania and they fled the nazis in the 1940s so i thought that was an interesting uh side fact to know about her uh because this story is very much jewish um it's uh it's i'm not sure where it takes place it sounds like it's somewhere in eastern europe possibly russia i'm not exactly sure where it takes place it's kind of vague uh but it is about um the daughter of a jewish moneylender and uh he is and again it doesn't say what time period it is because it sounds kind of like maybe renaissance era ish you know it's it's not exactly clear what time it is uh but anyway the guy is, uh, he's basically a terrible money lender because he lends money, but he doesn't go to collect the debt. So her family has become very poor. She and her mother and her father are very poor. Her mother is sick. So this girl is, uh, she's very strong. She's very interesting. And uh, she just says, fine, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to start collecting these debts. So she starts going out and strong arming people in the village that owe them money and collecting the interest. And what happens is that as she starts collecting this money, silver from people, she cashes it in and turns it into gold coins. So it turns oh. out she can turn silver into gold because she's collecting these debts. Well, at the same time, there are these, um, there, there's some kind of like supernatural race. Uh, they're maybe not exactly like elves, but they're, um, they're called the Staric. And they're associated with the ice and the cold and the winters have been getting longer. And they say it's because of the Staric. So the Staric occasionally come from whatever realm that they're coming from. And they raid villages looking for gold. Well, they start figuring out that this girl can turn silver into gold. So one night the Staric king brings her a bag of gold, a bag of silver. And he says, turn this into gold. And because everybody's scared of the Stark, she basically does what he says. They, she takes the silver, she takes it to a jeweler. The jeweler uses it to craft a silver ring, which they then sell to a duke. Because it turns out that this Stark silver has magical properties. So she turns that into gold and then gives it to the Stark king. And then he brings her a bigger bag of gold. And he mm -hmm. says, make this into, or bigger bag of silver, make this into gold. And she does that as well. And eventually she is like taken away to the Stark kingdom and... It just gets very, I like, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a lot of magic involved and, you know, can she really turn silver into gold and all this. And the book also, it gets a little muddy because it introduces a lot of different players like the Duke's daughter, because she has all this jewelry made from um, Stark silver. She's able to marry the czar and then it turns out the czar is possessed by a fire demon and <laughs> it gets really crazy and then there's a girl from the village that's also helping this jewish girl collect the debts and 
And it, it brings in like so many different perspectives and narratives that it can get very, very confusing. And like my one complaint about the book is that when it changes to another person's perspective, it does not say their name. There's not a chapter heading that says who it is. Nothing. You have to listen for a little while until you figure out who's talking. I hate it when and they it can do take that. Several if you're listening to the audio, it makes yeah. it so confusing. It can take like a couple of paragraphs where you're like, oh, okay, this is Wanda talking or, oh, okay, this is so-and-so talking. So the, the perspectives shift and I like that they're all bringing in these different perspectives, but there's no indication of who's talking. So it got a little muddy at times. and Authors it was like, really need to pay more yeah, attention I really to that, wish especially had, with the uptick of audio yeah, listeners. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't even do that in the book. It doesn't even do it in the book at all. Like, there's no chapter heading, nothing. You just It just switches perspectives. And that's the thing that I did not like Ugh. about that book. Like, if I had to give it a rating, it would go down to four stars. You would lose a whole star for because that. Because of not yeah. telling me who the hell is talking. It drove me crazy. Mm. Um, but uh, I've had people tell me, like, just kind of in, like, talking about this book with other people, they thought it was romantic. It's actually not. Um, there's some very, very, very vague romance very vague chemistry but there's not any like real romance in it um so it's not like uprooted where there was a little bit of romantic element to me this book was more about it's more like a fairy tale it was a fairy tale but it's more about um family and taking care of family and being strong and helping your family and then also family is not necessarily by blood it's who chooses to take care of you. Like you can choose your own family because there's different people that come together to create a family unit and they're not even related. They're not even the same religion or anything, but they come together as a family. So I thought it was really good um, in the sense that it's about family and uh, taking care of each other. And I particularly liked the the main character, um, Miriam. Uh, the main character, Miriam, is very, very strong. She's a lot like Agnieszka in uh, Uprooted sense that she's just a strong-minded girl who goes out and she gets shit done because she's tired of the men sitting around and being useless. Well, that's about how it is so, in real life. <laughs> yeah, though that seems like a running theme in Novik's work, I guess. And the last two books that I've read of hers, it's been like strong women get sick of people sitting around and doing nothing and they go out and they take charge. You and want it done just, right, got to do it yourself. And they're very mouthy and, you know, because like Miriam is kind of an unpleasant person in this book, which hmm. I liked that about her. She's very unpleasant. She's very harsh. And but she goes out and she you have to be, you know, to collect the debts because people are like, well, I don't have the well, money they don't pay. And, and she'll pressure them hey, to say, I'm no, you do break your legs if you don't give me the cash. <laughs> well, so they would say like, well, you don't have the money. And she would basically say, yeah, you do pay up. She'd make them pay up. And then she taught Wanda how to do the same thing, too, which is the girl that eventually started assisting at their house with her mother and everything. Um but yeah, it's a really good book. I recommend it. I did not like it as much as I liked Uprooted because there wasn't as much of like, like in Uprooted, you got to cast awesome magic spells. You know, like I'm going to make an earthquake. I'm going to set shit on fire. You know, that's what I loved about Uprooted. Um, so there wasn't really any of that in here, but it was more about being clever and um, assertive. And I liked that. I thought it was very It's good. always good when you have mm-hmm. authors doing mm-hmm. stuff like that, especially <laughs> if it might be read by a lot of young women. Mm-hmm. And this was also a very Jewish book um, because of Miriam and her family. And it talks about, you know, like keeping the Sabbath and things like that. And hmm. so, I, it, you know, some of the Jewish traditions come in and there's like a mention of in the town, there's like a passage, an underground passage under the synagogue so they can escape the city because 
that actually was a thing. Um, in some synagogues, there were like underground tunnels to escape because they were afraid that if they got trapped in the synagogue, you know, they would need to have an escape route out of the city. Well, that's probably a good idea with as much as they were persecuted. Yes. Throughout mm-hmm. history. They have been persecuted a lot throughout history. And it's it's very, very sad. People always think of the Holocaust, but this stuff has been happening long, long before. Right. Yeah. A long time. They talk about time. how the Jews were persecuted in World War One in my book a little bit. So as far back as the Roman Empire, even yeah. like the, the Roman Empire. I did a research paper on it when I was in college about uh, persecution of Jews during the Roman Empire, because everybody talks about the Christians being fed to lions and stuff like that. But nobody really talks about what happened to the Jews. And they actually were persecuted under the Roman Empire as well because they wouldn't worship the emperor either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they got they got kicked around back then, too. So centuries yeah. and centuries of persecution. But the book was, you know, I, I really liked that it wove in some of uh, the Jewish culture in with all this magical stuff. That's it's about because you learned and you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about the Jewish. Mm-hmm. The only thing I the the main thing that I know about the Jewish religion practices is from the religious class that I took and all of the World War II books that I read. (laughs) (laughs) I actually visited a synagogue uh, one time for another paper in college. Did Um, you? Yeah, I visited a manual synagogue many, many years ago and and listened to, uh, I was participated in the service there and it was very, very interesting. Being raised Christian, it was very different for me. The Jewish religion is is very interesting. That was actually one of my favorite chapters when I was taking religious studies. Yeah. It's a very earthy religion. It, there's it actually is. like, I think there's a Jewish prayer that where you think, I think you thank God that everything is going in your body. It's going the right direction and not in reverse. It's a very so logical it's, it's, religion. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. This conversation is taking a turn. I'm sorry. Sorry to offend you with religion, Martha. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for lightning to strike. It's Are you not happening. Dingo? I think we're okay. The <laughs> dingo ate your baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for using like an 80s joke or something. Yeah, Jeez. Sure, anytime. Jeez. I am freaking hilarious. All I can think of is uh, Elaine. Elaine, yeah, Elaine, saying, that. Elaine yeah. saying that. Freaking hilarious. Somebody's got to lighten up the mood in here. <laughs> well, I was never right. a Seinfeld fan. So. Everything's so oh. serious. Seinfeld was very random at times. And I think that's one of the random things that happened yeah. in Seinfeld. <laughs> is one of the I many didn't go H.O. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I like Seinfeld. That's because that's life. Life is random and stupid. and It is. Sorry, Vivian. I didn't mean to hijack your No, that's thing okay. We all find done? a way to hijack yours. Yes, I'm done. My book was Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, and it was very good. I recommend it. So I know that you read a romantic fairy tale to match ours, right? Fuck no. (laughs) Who do you think I am, Melissa? (laughs) You do have the blonde hair. Oh, well. You are the blonde in our sea of brunette wonderfulness. Blondish. She's blondish too. Mine's a darker blonde, but a darker She's a blonde. dirtier blonde than me. Don't you dare call me dirty blonde. <laughs> You're so dirty. I knew that would piss her off. That's why I said it. Um actually I did not read anything romantic. <gasps> Imagine that. Yes. I'm in shock. But I did read something that was really awesome. I read an international thriller. Ooh. It was called To the Lions by Holly Watt. I have always been in envy of reporters because it takes so much work to get a good story. Well, this was something that was so far beyond anything that I had heard about 
you know, people who are out working to get good stories and whatnot. Obviously, it was a thriller. So there was a lot of really extreme news gathering techniques going on. There were there were two girls who were sort of the main characters and they were almost like, um, well, Casey was the main character of it. And she was a star reporter at The Post and had has spent her career pretending to be other people so that she could get the story. They start out there investigating um, an apparent suicide. And as Casey goes in, she pretends to be... She, she, like, cozies up to this guy that she knows might have some information. And she pretends that she is the ex-fiancé of this guy who was killed. That she knew him really well. And so she she's talking to the this guy who used to be in the army with him. The whole time you're, like, freaking out, wondering if he's going to say, oh, well, you didn't really know him. You know what I'm saying? She plays these roles that are so, I mean, you're just uptight the whole time that you're reading it because you're afraid she's going to get caught. And they're in foreign countries when they're doing stuff like this. And she stumbles across something so horrific that I I don't even want to tell you what it is because it's like these really rich people doing things they really shouldn't be doing in other countries. And so it makes the book really just so, it was so tense the whole time where you're wondering if she's going to get caught. And honestly, I think this would make a fantastic movie. It really had some excellent elements of suspense and conspiracy and just, oh, I was, my skin itched the entire time I was reading it because (laughs) you know that she's lying about everything and you're just waiting for one of those threads to come loose and for her to get killed because she's in foreign country. She's in, uh, trying to think, I think it's Libya. I know she was someplace she shouldn't have been. Mm. She's in a country where she shouldn't be. She's lying about everything about herself. And she's doing all of this to get a story so that she can publish it in the newspaper. She, that's, that's putting a lot into your work right there. I know. I mean, she could have ended up like... Oh, man. I, it was the, one of the most tense books I've ever read. And usually I don't like mm-hmm. books like that because they do make me really nervous. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was so different because it's not like she was a trained assassin or mm-hmm. anything she like that. She was just trying to get to the truth. Just a reporter. Just right. Like, mm-hmm. And it didn't, it didn't have a feel like it was trying to be an action movie. It really would make a good movie because of the storyline and because of the way everything happened. It was so shocking mm-hmm. to see some of these things that were going on that she was investigating. Mm-hmm. And just basically putting her life on the line to find out what the truth is. I'm pretty sure that this is Holly Watts' first book. And I didn't even really realize that when I was reading it because it was just so well done. I I thought it was so well done. So I think I'm going to have to see if I can get a copy and put this on my shelf because it was good. It was very good. She's a good writer. She's got a good name too. Holly Watts. Holly Watt. Yeah. Holly Watt Reporter. Reporting. 
so if you want to read something that is filled with international intrigue and oh, how would I even put it? I don't know. It was the idea that the words are so powerful mm-hmm. has always amazed me. Mm-hmm. But then you get somebody like that who who is willing to go to those lengths yeah. and to lie her way into some mm-hmm. situations that just made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like, you, oh, damn, she's going to get caught. Mm-hmm. And getting um, caught is very serious because there's countries that jail journalists all the time well, no, or have them assassinated. Well, and, no, yeah, so it's that's, not even it's getting, scary. It's not getting caught by the authorities that I was worried about. It was the people that she was investigating investigating, yeah. and these people that she was with. So they were mm-hmm. bad, I mean, bad guys. Yeah, there's no... It's like walking a wire across the fucking Grand Canyon with no net Mm -hmm. is what it felt like to me. Mm. And to me, that's a sign of a good writer. Mm. I really liked it a lot. And I highly recommend To the Lions by Holly Watt. Awesome. But it was at the same time, it was the kind of book that I don't usually like. Mm -hmm. I don't. and, And the main reason is because once you get into that edge of your seat type book it tends to veer mm-hmm. into you know that oh starts to being like an action movie yes but an action movie an american action movie like you yeah. know the like arnold schwarzenegger's gonna come out yeah or the girl that's, that's holding an uzi the girl that is the main character is this tough broad who's got some secret ninja skills and you know all this other bullshit where you know it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel real. SEAL training in her background or some other crap. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't feel authentic to me when you watch those action movies. I don't like them. My husband likes them and we usually end up going and then I'm pissed. But in this case, this actually felt like something that would have been... I mean, I would have been on the edge of my seat watching it. I was on the edge of my seat reading it. Are you guys getting excited for... No. Forget it. Vivian's not excited. Oh, Are what? you getting excited for <laughs> October 12th, Vivian? You're in the doghouse. Because oh, you're sorry. not going to be there. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just teasing you. For October 12th? Yes. Yes. And you know I'm what? Excited. I talked to Rachel, who was on the program last week. Was it last week already? Yes. I think it was last week. Yeah. yeah. So Rachel Young, who is from Amarillo, I was talking to her yesterday and she is bringing her sisters, and they're going to dress like the Sanderson sisters. I know. Oh, that's cool. going to be awesome. Yeah. I wish my sister didn't have an event going on so she could come. I'm sad that my sister won't be here. Well, my sisters would never show up. Yeah, but my sister loves dressing up for everything. She dresses up for everything. You've seen the pictures. I have. Every Halloween, she dresses up. Every Christmas, she's either Mrs. Claus or an elf. She dressed up for the... Roaring Twenties party that they had at Cowtown in Wichita. Well, I am almost finished making my Galadriel crown. Yay. So I'm working on that. Aren't you crafty? I am crafty because I'm cheap. Yeah, I'm not crafting (laughs) anything. I'm not buying a freaking, you know, $100 silver crown for a one night event. That's not happening. I'm going to make one. I'm just about done with it. And it you just go to cool. the specialty shop and buy one that's cheap and take off the penises and just put little gems. 
Oh, sorry, I missed a penis. <laughs> this is the dirty Galadriel version. <laughs> Galadriel, the that's uh, a sphere. The uh, the madam, <laughs> and the elves are all fuckboys. <laughs> Porn of the rings. <laughs> 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 one cock, one VN, one cock ring to rule them all. <laughs> oh my God! Now we're not safe for work again. Jesus! We almost made it through the clean episode. <laughs> we're right at the end, and Vivian had to wreck it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, the good news is, is we can't behave this way in public, so <laughs> we hope get it all out we, now. We hope you can join us. It's only two weeks away. Oh, well, I, I, I should really say where it is. It's October 12th at Full Circle Bookstore, and we highly encourage dressing up because, you know. Are we going to do any prizes for dressing up? We'll have a few. Or? We'll have a few. Okay. I mean, obviously, we're poor. So we don't make any money from this podcast. We're not going to have anything really extravagant as a prize, but maybe some tote bags. Whoop, whoop. Might be able to, you know, crochet a bookmark or two. Yeah. You're pretty much just getting homemade homemade shit from the poor women. Right. Of the- I think I might have a scrap blanket at home. <laughs> a scrap blanket. Oh, here, look, here's a scrap blanket. Here's my leftovers. He's, he's Happy Halloween. like my grandmother. I tied a bunch of rags together. And- oh, oh, rag, we could have a rag rug as a prize. We'll have a rag rug. But don't worry, not the kind from the 19th century. <laughs> you know, my grandma, my grandma McGraw used to make... Um, they're custom rag dyed. Rugs. She used to make rag rugs out of bread sacks. We could make one of those. <laughs> there you go. Rag rug out of bread sacks. Except I don't eat bread. So you guys would have to provide all that. gluten free bread sacks. I know, but you know how expensive gluten free bread true. is? I only Damn, buy that about every third month. That fucking rug, man. Yeah, that'd be the most expensive rug ever. On that note, that's going to do it for. Three Book Girls. Get enough of Three Book Girls? Join the conversation on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.